So I'm just going to wait yeah. until, uh, wait a couple of minutes for people to come come in, and then I can start. Um, but the format will just be, it's only going to be 40 minutes as dictated by Zoom. And right. I don't um, know why I'm nodding. Hi, Ari. Um, and yeah, so it'll be 40 minutes. I'll talk for a little bit, maybe about the um, surrounds of the publication. And then I would maybe read a couple of pieces from before this uh, collection and then just read some pieces from within. Um, hello. Hi. Uh, hello. Hello. Um, yeah. And then if anyone wants to say anything, then you can say something. But yeah. So just maybe if you're going to want to say something and just put it in the thing so that I can try and factor that in because, uh, I, yeah, I want to kind of keep it concise. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is uh, a collection of work from 2018 and 19, really. I've just... Um, published with the help of uh, Isabel Nabiaski, who is uh, printing books under an organ of Tim Beetle Books. Um, this is their stamp. And this is the collection. So it's A4, and I think it's 12 or 13, like, poems and, like, prose sort of pieces. So there's one which is like the format of a letter and then, yeah, so it's kind of a few different styles of um, writing. And hi, Ella. Um, yeah, so I did this with the support of Isabel. Um, and yeah, so we're just releasing it now and I'm think I've been thinking about it today and how by the nature of the work, um, it can only really be, exist in the way that I, in the way that it operates once it's got an audience. Um, so I'm glad to be able to share this. And I think that I'm glad that it's online as well because I can have more people than would be right here in Glasgow. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll just first talk a bit about how I want to to begin to frame it, like as as a group of text texts that I wrote over a certain period of time, and how I would frame those texts today, because it's really kind of over, yeah over a year since I actually finished the writing element of the work. Um, so I thought that a good way of doing that would be via discussing the title, pointing, and my like my original motivations for calling it that, 
and then ways in which that unfolds different um, motives and different modes of looking and thinking, which I think operate within the text, within the text. Um, so my initial choice for calling it pointing was by the definition of pointing as, um, as in terms of brick, uh, like the preservation of brickwork. So like removing more, removing the surface mortar that has degraded with time and then repointing with new mortar and thinking about that process as an act of maintenance um, and an act, of, an act of preservation of like something old, but also just preservation of anything. And by virtue of that, the ways that, that, that the act of pointing uh, is preceded by some kind of active choice of this thing needs preservation or needs uh, like is deserving of some kind of respect or value like there's some kind of value system that's been put there in order to decide that that thing is worthy of uh, that act um, as well as that act just being one that's really not really involved but really uh, specific and like uh, involving like a lot of it's repetitive and um, a manual act of labor. Um, so that was really the primary motivation for calling it that title. And then I think um, upon reflection, other definitions of pointing really, uh, really make clear my motives so for example like the regular regular pointing at something and um so the act of pointing in order to designate something as worth worthy of looking to another person and i think that that reflexivity of it being um about another whether that another is a person who's physically there or like a person who is reading the, the collection. It's about um, one person make, like bringing something else, bringing something to the att attention of another person, um, which I think is, is what the writing like in essence is doing and which I think the writing in essence only does, as I said before, when it's read, because that's the point at which you can see that I'm pointing at something instead of me just pointing at things in my head. Um, I also think that uh, um, the notion of pointing could be seen as like a, quite non-committal and quite like it's really the first step of an interrogation so um in that way 
that's not really what I am, but it's, um, I like the fact that that is, defines it as within a really short, like temporal, as like an event. Um, and yeah, as, because I don't really relate to that as like a fleeting interest. That isn't something that I, I do. Um, I would maybe like to think about the way that you can refer to point, you can refer to use pointing as a sort of adjective for an object. So I've been thinking about, um, when you do that and when you apply that word to something that's solid, it may be something that's solid and like lasting. It then becomes the, the notion of it being uh, pointing becomes like a lasting pointing. So for example, I've been thinking about maybe like a mountain as a lasting pointing and it's pointing, it's pointing somewhere, it's pointing upwards. And like that as a, that idea as something which maybe the collection aims to do in a way that pointing, like me pointing out the window doesn't do. Um, something else that I would say about the texts uh, that they they're very like located in, in like the time and place in which they were written which maybe is like an obvious thing to say but there there are kind of three distinct places and times which are within the collection it's not chronological but they exist and they exist like as rooted within those places and times and I think that the notion of when you're pointing, you're, you're in one place and you're pointing somewhere else. So there's a kind of broadening of that distance in lots of ways and a, a uh, like making clear that of that displacement. And I think that within that time for myself when I was writing those pieces that's what uh was happening like I was feeling that displacement from whether that be location or whether it be other things and I think that that kind of is a lasting thread in the works like uh separation and um like uh seeing things as external to oneself. Um, yeah. So I think that that maybe is a way of way, a way into the works. Um, and maybe what I'll do now is read from a collect the collection which preceded this collection, which is uh, this book, which is called Potatoes Become Potatoes, which was like a 
um, collection of what I called then culinary proposals uh, that I wrote in 2017 in quite like a short space of time, um, which is texts about eating and about food and about yeah. money. Um, hang on a second. Um, relationship to those things and then kind of cut interspersed with these texts which are not about food um because sometimes sometimes it's not about food so i'm going to read one of the pieces from that collection now which isn't about food Crops. Crop on land. Land without crop. Land without designation, or more so, land with designation that marks it as unavailable, unassailable by industry, by dwelling, by hook or by crook. I climbed out of the back of Nana's garden, ran the few meters crossing someone else's and went head and arms first through a gap in a barbed wire fence, a path decided by the deer, whose zone this is. The trees are all the same cedars, high canopies, with an ecosystem of space below, between leaf and ground. Space empty of medium-sized trees or bushes, just a smatter of green underfoot, no more. A true copse. It was a shock to finally at the end see a space and natural clearing itself so closed off and inward facing that it feels interior. A place that you have known of and felt the hum of for so long, but never stood in until today. An interior offering from nature. Behind and off to the right, a wide space of high grass opens out. A meadow closed off on all sides by the garden of private by the gardens of private houses. Cut off, though accessible by rights, this burial ground. In this gloaming hour, the atmosphere is rife, rife in itself, each element of it so much so, so full to the brim with evening light so clear and sharp and cool, having breathed out the heat of the day. Deer flicker. I watch bounds of legs and tail as it rounds the edge of the circle. The circumference has been trimmed by another human with access. Despite this imposition, the space remains that of the animal and insect creatures that inhabit it. A place they are permitted, that they stake claim to fully. I see another watching me. Flaked with grass, it stands still in the centre, only its two ears and wide nose visible through the wheat and beige and soft and rough. The field bristles, anticipating the flight of this creature the moment the other, me, makes an off move. I try to maintain this posture. I keep moving at a steady, slow pace, my arms crossed, neither offensive nor defensive. I would like to stay in this dance with you, dear.
Um, yeah, so I think that that has that displacement and um, kind of this kind of other recognizing and being highly aware of this, uh, not otherness, but um, distance. And then also in terms of like land and kind of ownership of land and something about that. Yeah. So I want to read one other piece from this, which is more, so the format of that is just like straight, straight prose. So um, other pieces in this, I mean, I think this is actually the only piece in this one that's really kind of more of a poem in terms of the reading of it is where it is what it is i think for me especially uh and so the punctuation once i move into those once i move into writing like poems is like more important than the words in lots of ways so this one doesn't have a title i caught the sun sunbathing at the top of a land an island. Now, at the bottom of the same mass, I think I thought I was seeing the sun, a beacon where there was none. I remember bits of feelings, gargantuan all the world to be flat in the plough line, my kingdom to be cushioned by one fixed thing. We followed a line, an untrod path, up and away from the coast up high where when i turned back to find the others the sea was high up there with us brimful at the horizon like grease through those trees yellow of sun it was this glistening sea up to the neck before me waving at us okay so now I was going to read something from Pointing. Um, yeah. Three events. One. The fire alarm goes off, just the smoke alarm. I must quickly grab the duck-headed cane stick and hold it by the beak of the dog, aloft, up to reach the ceiling, to click off the alarm, so I may go on. Two. In the brief power outage, after the main course and the suite of the desserts, as they sucked on their mints and chewed their aniseed center, and as, they, and as they too sat in the dull black, they realized it was time to leave. The coffee table now cleared of cups, buffed to a shine, reflected the glass of the bowl of mints in the moonlight. The shine of the coffee table made more of the crystal than was the sum of its parts. It wasn't like they owned the place they were in. It wasn't like some people there were staying and it was time to leave for some others, 
No. All of them had to leave and make their way across the city to another enclosed room in a different building. Three. Between our ceiling and the floor of the flat above lie the pipes. You said they were ours, but I think not. I think this is a no man's land. I think we cannot lay claim to this space. The pipes live there. Like true inhabitants, they become a snake. Like what's kept at the back of that drawer, they outlive tenants. Tenants largely oblivious to their unerring passage through and their stronghold of the building. Um, I'm going to read the first, the first one in the collection, which is a letter to the council, um, just from the same location as the previous, uh, the previous piece. A letter to the council. We received a letter through the post about the vegetation. I think they had not known it was our own. That is, I think that those residing here had not known it was their own. That our rental for our rooms and toilet include as ours only and not as that of the flats above or beside us. That square of hedge and lilac tree which abuts our sitting room window and my own. The stretch on a slant that bridges and forms the gap between our windows and the street. And that also allows us a higher vantage. So as we may look on, but with the knowledge that it will be a concerted effort for us to be looked in on. It is autumn and someone has complained. They said it was the whole street. There is a faint memory of watching two pedestrians pointing at the dwarf willow, which we also have. But I had assumed that was a pointing of questioning its genus, and so told Elso. The letter opens. I respectfully bring it to your attention that vegetation growing on the land which you appear to either own or occupy is overhanging part of the public footpath. Such assumption. I had not known I occupied this stretch of the outdoors also. I had not known it, and if I had, might have reined it in, taken heed of the pedestrians walking and allowed them the 2.3 metres of height you say they require for passage. I like that you say you appear as though my actions can only be hazarded at, as though I could just be lighting here for the season how you try to undermine my very being so with this phrase. I know my own worth, at least sometimes I say so. I know the worth of some versions of some of my fingernails, prodded with the finger that grew them into the soil I give them to the plants I care for in the house. I know that my body is strong and my hair is healthy and I know too that I can go outside in the morning and build you a brick wall if you'd like me to. In lots of ways, I'm doing the right thing. 
It is the mind. It is the self-knowing. The self-knowing. That is the problem. I would rather not know my own worth, but act on it, than see this lack of a grind go so undisturbed. From your enclosed diagram of the Rhodes Act 1984, I can see that from the heel of the public footway, that is the start of it, where my property ends, there should be a vertical height clearance of 2.3 meters. Maybe this was the case in 1984, that the stature of the tallest pedestrian might have reached such dizzy heights. But we are past that now. It is the 21st century. I would like to think that you might take my word of judgment on this matter and that it is understood as nature should be on a case by case basis. Different types of vegetation, in my opinion, upon which I have acted, provide different kinds of obstruction. On this street, due to its relative physical remoteness and the effort required to breach one of the four steep roads that lead up to our residence from the north, south, east and west, few people are seen at one time. If four are sighted walking on the pavement at once, it is something to be remarked upon. It is not a busy street. The road that comes from the west, though its curve and steady incline make it more appealing to the frailer, is unlit at night. And as a person on foot, you are faced as a deer with the headlights of cars whose pace matches that of the motorway they have just diverged from. One-way streets lead to such, such speeds. I went outside this morning. Sorry. I went outside this morning and have offered you two meters of vertical fresh air through which passage is free and unencumbered. I used borrowed shears with long handles and worked in the spitting rain for over half an hour. I enjoyed it. Now people may walk. Four could walk four abreast if that ever were to occur. But I have allowed the willow its branches, which are soft and pliant, to continue to overhang. It is a thing of beauty and I do not wish to put an end to it in the name of quick passage. Better to adjust oneself in relation to another living thing than to consider oneself more important than it or deserving of its end. Best, KM. Um, so yeah, I'm keeping this to uh, 40 minutes long, so it might just end in 10 minutes. But I want to read maybe do heaven. Yeah. And yeah. And then I'll read one about coffee as well. Do heaven. How perverse to import bread from Spain. What fallacy of a bakehouse, what fragrant yellow pillows, what open pores, what crisp exterior. Who's nine pounds? So, you'd like to have some again today. What fallacy? A bakery who also bring bread all the way from Spain for us to try. See, they import it across the land, 
off and up north and north from the continent, then in boats over the channel, and then by road up here to Scotland, or by some other route. It has a name that is specific to the region and by which they could not call it if they were to be baking the same stuff up here. How grotesque that this bread has come so far and great big loaves of it too. I would say each one is about the length of a human thigh. I wanted some white bread and they would not sell me their loaves. Something about saving them for the customers. I do not know what I am. As a last resort, you asked if they'd sell me a third of this Spanish PDO imported stuff. It is called Altamura and yes, turning to check with someone else, yes, they could. They said it had saffron in it and a whole loaf is nine pounds sterling. It has come so far. It was good to toast, but I think we do not need it. I think their action of having it on offer is an act that signals to us that that is okay. To normalise such excess, that is the problem. I looked it up. It is not from Spain. It is from near Bari, the heel of Italy. They told me wrong or I wasn't listening well enough when I heard the talk. I mistook the bread of one country for the bread of another. Whole lands displaced. Geography is imbalanced in an effort to provide or by my lack of attentiveness. So fragrant and good too raw, too with cold, cold butter. And these have actually all been from the same like place. So maybe I should pick something that's from a different location. Um. So this is like one of the earliest pieces from um, uh, the late least good of the places. March downstairs. It is March, the third month of this year. I am downstairs in the kitchen. I tilt an elbow to move my right hand into the shaft of sunlight. Sunlight intermittent with clouds full of snow. The flat back of my left hand. It goes dark and then is suddenly illuminated. I come back upstairs and as I approach the open door, the person of the weather closes the curtains. The light changes so fast here, some enchantment of an empty loft room, that the moment I exit the place is ignited. The weather and the eyes of the windows work in concert to form a privately gilded personless space and from outside the room over the course of moments I watch shadows envelop build back to a darkness it is as though they are released freed by my act of leaving and upon my imminence are drawing back 
I return and just glimpse the inflammation when it is gone. A line drawn under it, the day ended. Okay. Um, um, I don't know whether anyone wants to say anything or talk about anything or whether I should just read another piece. Um, I don't know. Read another piece. Read another piece, okay. We've got three and a half minutes, so it probably will be that I just read. And then... Hi, Adrian. Hi. <laughs> um, Hello. Hello. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta pull over. <laughs> um, we've got three minutes left, so I'm just gonna read one now. I would read this. So there are two that are about coffee. Or oh, there are three that are about coffee, actually, out of the 12. Three are about coffee, but some of them are, lo yeah, I'll read one of them. There are, there's one that's lullabies, which I really like, but I'm going to let that, let you read that when it's bedtime, instead of four o'clock. Okay. On newly cutting coffee. I am a glass of fizzy water that fizzes, though the fizzes are starting to dissipate. This is how it feels on newly cutting coffee. On newly cutting coffee, even the word looks different. Less friend, it has cheek, two E's that look at me. I lie in weight of sleep and am a disc of batter, thin, not yet settled in the pan made of water and flour, beaten to combine in a bowl on the kitchen counter, thin, the texture of single cream. Funny, it doesn't feel like I'm standing up when I lie down, like it did last week. I wait for sleep and do not force contortion. I am alone waiting for sleep. I am a waiter waiting to be more body than not. My drawing is looser, and when I write an equation, the axes are less upright. They are round and flow. They share space with the Ys. I have found that I am able to sit and attend to my reading, to read 20 pages without distraction. I do not know about this enforced section of time. I suppose it is good just to act as bookend to know the decompression period is over. To know I have decompressed the before and now it is just about getting to the after. This is the beginning of the next. I can now name events as before or after this version of this place. Not BC, but B, this arbitrary stake in the ground that I use as timepiece. I like the routine of it but sometimes that can be a negative crutch to wake up and always smell coffee. I've not been truly alone in a year and a half. If I walk the pavements and come across a place to lay my feet, how long do I allow myself to stay there? 
Okay, that's the end of this launch of Pointing. Um, thanks for joining and let me know if you want to buy a copy. Thank you.